Is Cameron Brait for real, or is he just fake news? What NFC North sophomore is going to be making the leap to fantasy relevance in 2017? And has the top three tier at wide receiver evolved to be a top four? Plus $2,500 FFPC Dynasty number two champ Scott Johnson joins us to break down how he was able to win that title, as well as his four other FFPC satellite championships from 2016. We've got a great show for you. Scott Johnson is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your special Eric Balkman show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Live from the WRST radio studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream, it's the Eric Balkman Show. Thank you, Rob, and greetings and salutations to all you balkaholics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host, the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, is off this week, but sitting in for him tonight is once again a massive change for the better. He said he saw a magazine article for the WCOF in 2007, told his wife he's found his new goal to become the world champion in fantasy football. He switched to the FFPC a year later. He plays in the main event, in the dynasty leagues, and in the draft experts at the FFPC. His wife and him have been to Vegas eight out of the last nine years because he is hooked for life. Please welcome into the show 2016 four-time FFPC sat champ and 2500 Dynasty League number two champion, owner of the Coaches Crunchers franchise, Mr. Scott Johnson. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight, buddy. Thanks, Balky. How you doing, man? We're doing good. We're doing excellent. I will uh, tell everybody a little bit of housekeeping at the top of the show. Once again, Dave Gerzak uh, in charge of the chat room. And as much as I like to belittle him, uh, he is not here tonight. And I can't get the chat room to load on my end. So I don't know if it's not working for anybody else. But if you're posting in the chat, I will not be able to see it tonight. But Scott, I think you and I can handle uh, 75 minutes of above average, maybe below average fantasy football uh, analysis without the chat room. I think we can handle that tonight, right? I, I've got your back, and uh, I know you've got mine. Yes, exactly. And and uh, you certainly did have my back. I appreciate uh, you coming on on short notice. We had a cancellation uh, with the expected guest tonight, so I appreciate you coming on. And we have a lot to talk uh, about tonight, Scott. Tonight, uh, tonight uh, coming up on the show, we'll uh, 
discuss uh, the strategy of selecting rookies in these early season FFPC satellites that are going on, the draft experts leagues, uh, how you should treat Joe Mixon in your dynasty rookie drafts, and where we're dropping DeAndre Hopkins in redrafts, plus much, much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter tonight, you can do so at HSFFO or at Eric Balkman. You can uh, post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Excuse me, no, it's facebook.com slash HSFFHour. That is the new one since Facebook apparently said uh, the old one was too vulgar and obscene which I still don't understand why. If you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. And, of course, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com is the inbox to get uh, all of your questions to us. Later on in the fantasy feedback segment uh, in the second half of the show, our producer and mutual friend Rob is working very hard tonight, our audio engineer Bryce, uh, working just as hard to uh, make sure this episode goes as smooth as possible without the dizzle. Uh, I want to remind everybody that fresh Dynasty Orphan teams have been posted at myffpc.com. You can go on those uh, message board forum threads that uh, Dave Gerzak has posted. All of the rosters there, all the players, all the picks. There are new ones that got listed this week, and the offers are coming in fast and furious on those. Uh, Once again, we won't start up any new dynasty starters at the FFPC this year until all these orphan teams have been claimed, or at least the, you know, 99% of them essentially. Um, so check that out at myffpc.com. And as I mentioned earlier, satellites have been open uh, for about a week now. Uh, draft experts and super flex leagues, uh, $35, $77 and $250 are your entry fees in those. We have a bunch of them going on right now. Uh, we'll talk about a few of them tonight. If you uh, check out, Uh, Twitter, there's a lot of people posting some draft boards on there, which is cool to see. Uh, So we'll get into uh, some analysis of of what we're seeing from uh, the early season ADP, as it were, as we sit. Just a few weeks after the Super Bowl and people are drafting already, it is awesome to see. Scott, uh, it's awesome to have you on tonight, man. Long time coming. I appreciate uh, you coming on tonight and getting a chance to... uh, pick your brain and, and have the listeners hear, uh, you know, how you were able to achieve all the uh, success that you did in 2016. But before we get to that, when you're not playing high stakes fantasy football, what are you doing for a living? Well, uh, you know, first off, uh, I'm, I'm a teacher and a coach and, and as a coach, you know how coaches are. Uh, a lot of us, uh, we start off by saying thanks to God for everything that he's given us. So let's, let's just start off like that because, I think that's the right thing to do for me, especially. Um, he's given so much to me. So um, I live down here in the Bible Belt now, um, moved from Indiana to, to Georgia uh, about a year and a half ago. So that's an important start for me. Um, I spent a lot of time with my wife, Shannon, and I've got four daughters, Natalie, Marissa, Isabel, and Michaela. And, man, I love spending time with them. But uh, my job is an English teacher at, at a high school uh, here in Georgia, uh, Carrollton High School. And I'm so glad I moved down here. It's uh, it's awesome. And uh, I've coached for 23 years, uh, taught for 23 years, and uh, uh, I've got uh, got a pretty good life, Bulky. I like it. Yeah, it's it sounds great. I'm I'm incredibly jealous of it. Listen, you are you are coaching baseball, correct? I do coach baseball uh, in Indiana. I was a, a varsity head coach uh, for 19 years, and uh, down here in Georgia, I've coached. Uh, uh, it's really, really cool. The seasons are a little bit different. I've, I've been able to coach some softball, uh, coach some golf, and, uh, and I'm also coaching baseball down here as well. So, uh, and by the way, Balky, it was a brisk 77 today outside. <laughs> you know what? I was gonna, I wasn't gonna bring up the weather tonight because it was so dreadful. We have this, um, 
we had this, first of all, like a couple of days ago, my kids were, were, were outside playing with, I was playing with them. No jackets for any of us. It was in the low 60s. Today, we get hit by all this icy, wet snow, and it's, it's got this, it's the kind of snow that it's got this thin layer of ice on top. So I had to wake up early yes, and, and, you know, break my back, uh, shoveling, shoveling the driveway. And then when I came home, I had to do the same thing. And then my kids, for whatever reason, they wanted to shovel the back patio. So I had to shovel that uh, for fun, essentially, uh, when I got home. So that that was uh, that was my day today, and uh, then I had to uh, on the way to the studio tonight. I, I just essentially, um, you know, uh, skidded across the skating rink that is the roads here in Northeast Wisconsin, and, and got here safe and sound. So, yes, I I am incredibly jealous not only of the great life you have, but of the great weather you are enjoying down there, man. That is fantastic. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into uh, fantasy football here because I do want to talk about uh, this twenty five hundred dollar uh, dynasty league that uh, that you took down last year. Uh, and, and for anybody, uh, I'm aware that I, I posted it wrong in the, in the FFPC email. I'm, I posted it wrong on social media as well as Rob did. This is dynasty number two league. Of course, former uh, guest of the show, Andy Shaw was quick to point out that there is only 20, one $2,500 dynasty one league. And he actually won that this year, Scott, you won the dynasty league number two. Uh, so very exciting stuff. Awesome to, 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 because I mean, this is, you know, the creme de la creme of, of the FFPC dynasty that you were able to win this year. Tell us about the process of, of not only building this team in, in the years leading up to this championship to, to get it at this level where you could win a title, but what was it like managing it uh, throughout the season and, as well as the playoffs uh, that you were able to get? I think it was a seven-point victory uh, over uh, Nick Glennis in the, uh, in the championship who took second place. Tell us what the process was of uh, building this team up and managing it. Well, definitely the first thing is, is Lou Tranquilli is uh, is – my partner, or I, I should say, I am his partner. Uh, with uh, with this team, we've got a 1250 team, and uh, we do several uh, other teams together, uh, all FFPC, of course. And of course, <laughs> uh, yes. And, and we took over this team as an orphan uh, a couple of years ago, and it was uh, it was a three team dispersal draft um, with the Masillis and. Uh, uh, Looney Tunies. Um, some of you, so some of the faithful guys know uh, know that team name. Um, and, and it was uh, it was a really good draft for us. We uh, we drafted Jarvis Landry, and uh, we drafted Matt Ryan uh, quicker than Lou would have liked. But uh, um, as it turned out this year, that really paid off. Um, we we also uh, in that dispersal draft, we got uh, several draft picks. One being the two point eight. Balky, take a wild guess who we drafted at two point eight. His name well, starts with David. Cert- yeah, it, it had to be. Uh, I was gonna, first of all, I was going to say Kobe Fleener, but when you say that, it, it had to be David Johnson. It was David Johnson. Yes, good guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you. That really has uh, that really has propelled us into where we where we are. Although. We traded for Demarius Thomas. Um, in fact, at the midnight hour last year, um, I, I, I knew we were not going to uh, we were not going to do anything. Um, I mean, this this team was was pretty rough, and and uh, you know we tried to we tried to overhaul it. So uh, we traded uh, Freeman for Demarius Thomas and and some other ancillary uh, picks, um, but uh, that paid off. So we've got we've got DT. We've got Matt Ryan that uh, we stayed pat with. We drafted Spencer Ware this year in the uh, well, last year in the May draft, um, and then we picked up uh, two key 
free agents, Ty Montgomery and Rob Kelly, off of waivers. We uh, we bid enough to get those guys, and then we just stayed patient. You know, not not trying to upgrade our quarterback because if you think back a year ago, Matt Ryan was not Matt Ryan right now. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, you know, we we stayed patient, and that that was. That was uh, that was all Lou. Um, I was I was concerned about going to battle with Matt Ryan this year, and uh, we stayed patient. We uh, I didn't make too many trades, but uh, we did make one major trade that I know uh, you want to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, let's talk about that one because this was uh, with the aforementioned uh, Maselli's. This trade was made in late October. You guys essentially swapped out your fourth rounder uh, for this coming year, LeGarrette Blount, and then, of course, Tyler Higby. And in return uh, from the Maselli's, you get Cameron Brait and Larry Fitzgerald. So well, I, the, the, the sort of the thought process of this, was this just loading up, grabbing a couple of, of, of pieces that you knew would be able to help you down the stretch to try to put you over the hump to get that title? Is, is that uh, sort of the, the rationale for making this deal? Well, we did not have... What, what anyone would call a stud tight end for sure. Uh, we had Dennis Pitta and, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was pretty uh, consistent, at least with catches. Um, he wasn't getting a whole lot of yards and, and his tight ends were, were sparse, but, um, we wanted to try to upgrade at tight end if we could. And, uh, you know, who thought, uh, who thought Cameron Brake would be an upgrade, but, but we really, you know, that's where, you know, Lou and I, uh, subscribe to the, coaching tree theory um and we really like dirt cutter and what he does with tight ends so we we like what what break would have to offer us immediately uh knowing fisher in in la and what he what he does to tight ends we we didn't mind letting go of higby um maybe he'll pan out maybe he won't but uh we were willing to give up him in order to make this thing happen we needed fitzgerald to to give us some flexibility with our lineups and because we, we had, of course, we had Spencer Ware and David Johnson. We had Robert Kelly and Ty Montgomery, which based on matchups, we might play, you know, we'd play two for sure, maybe three and sometimes four. But um, we were we were thin at wide receiver um, with just Landry and, and Demarius Thomas for the most part. So uh, Fitzgerald gave us that extra wide receiver. And, and we know now, obviously, he led the league in, in catches. Um, I, I really think that, that trade – did a lot to to put us over the top yeah and it definitely i mean it got you helped you get the title last year which is obviously the 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 big thing flags fly forever but you look at cameron Brait now he's still on your team you know i mean you, this is a dynasty league so you carry him forward still has Dirk cutter there so obviously you guys are liking uh the whole coaching aspect of of him coaching uh cameron Brait and playing in that offensive system if tampa doesn't add uh you know one of these stud tight ends that we're seeing in the rookie draft this year and maybe they go with uh, a receiver in the first or second round instead and that's how they try to improve this offense for Jameis winston you got to believe that cameron Brait is going to threaten to be another top 10 or have another top 10 tight end season this uh this uh, upcoming year in the ffpc I agree with you completely. I mean, it's it's not like uh, you know he's he's an older an older guy. Um, I don't think it's going to be uh, the aberration that we saw in Cleveland last year with with Gary Barnage. Uh, I think Brait is a guy that's going to um, come back and and have another really solid year. And, and you know, I I'd, I'd go so far as to say even if they do draft um, Ingram or 
you know, the, the kid out of Alabama, the kid out of Miami, um, it really it really won't matter because um, Brate's been there. He's got the rapport with the coaching staff, with uh, um, with the quarterback, and uh, we all know, uh, you know, Hunter Henry aside, how difficult it is for tight ends in the rookie year. So I, I'm I'm pretty pretty pleased with having Cameron Brate still on our team. Yeah, definitely, and and uh, obviously Hunter Henry's been more of the exception to the rule. Uh, more than likely, these tight ends, although it is a great class, the numbers would suggest that the majority will struggle their first year in the league. So uh, hopefully, you do guys, you guys do get a another great year out of Cameron Brayton this league. A couple of the guys that you didn't mention, Scott, uh, on that are on this roster are a couple of Ravens receivers, or, or currently they're Ravens receivers. Mike Wallace and Brashad Perriman are both on your squad in this league. As you look uh, ahead to 2017, Steve Smith is gone. Obviously, Kamar Aiken's still there in Baltimore. Could go and get a wide receiver early on in the draft. But as you break this team down right now, who's the number one? Is it going to be Mike Wallace or is it going to be Brashad Perriman stepping up this season? I don't think it's going to be Wallace, Balky. He's, uh, he's 31, and uh, he's, uh, he's not a possession receiver necessarily. So uh, for a fast guy, um, 31 tends to, to be long in the tooth. Um, I think, uh, I think Perriman, it, it all comes down. I mean, the, the obvious answer is it all comes down to his health. Um, but he's got the size, um, he's got the, the ability, whether or not he'll take over the reins and, and do it is, uh, is the big question. I wouldn't discount, uh, a draft pick, uh, if they were to do something, uh, crazy like, like draft Corey Davis or, or Williams, um, you know, but uh, I don't know if Baltimore has that in their plans. You know, we never really truly know the truth um, of what they're thinking. But uh, I wouldn't – you mentioned Kamar Aiken. I, I really liked him last year. He didn't do uh, what I thought he would. But this is a big, big question mark, and uh, I don't want to skirt around an answer for you, but I, I don't have a good answer for you other than uh, Perryman should be. Um, whether or not he will be, you know, that's that's the big – I'll, I'll tell you this, I'm doing a DE right now, and uh, none of those guys have been drafted yet. And we're in the, yeah. I think we're in the 12th round. Wow. So that so no number one receiver from Baltimore drafted in the first uh, 11 rounds of that. That is a little surprising. And, you know, Scott, you bring it up, too. Maybe they take a guy uh, like Mike Williams or, or Davis, and then you're looking at the situation even be muddier, you know. And, and then in maybe a DE, the, the play is just – you know, try to grab one or two of those guys late and, and, you know, cash in on the weeks that they end up being big. But maybe the number one receiver on this team isn't even a receiver. Maybe it ends up being a tight end that this Baltimore situation, really the Baltimore offense in general, because we don't know who the running back uh, is going to be. They could go after a running back early that might um, be the top guy over Kenneth Dixon and Terrence West. So many unknowns with this Ravens offense, Scott. And I I think as it gets closer to the season, we're going to hope for more clarity rather than more muddiness. I, you know, you you just hit the nail on the head. It's clear as mud, and uh, I'll be shocked. There's been some talk about Dennis Pitta getting getting let go. Um, you know, he used to be the roommate with uh, with Flacco on road games, and and they're good buddies. Um, I, so, you know, it's business. Yes, I, I get it, but um, you know, this guy's you know, 86 catches last year. Still got some some game left in him, and I'd be shocked if they if they let him go because um, he still has value and he's better than, than the, uh, you know, the, the wannabes that are behind him right now, even the, the high, draft, uh, high draft pick of, of uh, Williams um, a couple of years ago. So I'm not, 
I'm not going to say that it might not be Pitta. You, you, you might be right. It could be somebody like that. Could be Pitta two years in a row in that team. Who knows? Uh, you, you, we've been talking about the, the rookie picks uh, here, Scott, and, and you, what I think is always uh, truly amazing is when people can win one of these high-stakes FFPC Dynasty Leagues without surrendering their, their first-round pick the following year to, to get an asset uh, at the deadline to help them. You guys did not do that, so you have the 112 in this league. But not only that, I mean, in, in the other Dynasty Leagues that you mentioned sharing with Lou and then, of course, ones that you own, you have picks all over the place in the first round, so you actually have the benefit of, of or maybe the, the the, um, command that you need to study all these guys uh, that could be going anywhere in the first round of rookie drafts. Who are some of the guys that you're looking at uh, late in this uh, first round here? And then maybe in some of your other leagues, who, who are the guys that, uh, again, we don't know where they're going to go, but from a talent uh, perspective, which is what we usually like to go on first in dynasty anyway, who are some of the other guys you like as first round rookie picks? Well, in, in uh, Lou's, uh, Lou my, uh, 2500 with the 112 as you mentioned um yeah i i you know the tens of fans that are listening to this uh um i'm sure uh i'm not i'm not going to give away yes well you know probably so it might be fewer than that except i think my family's uh you know chiming in so there's six right there Um, yeah i'm noticing the download spike because your your entire family is all listening (laughs) on different devices right now it's i'm surprised the I'm surprised the, the, uh, the, the podcast software has not broken, but uh, it, we're holding it together right now. Wow. Uh, I, I know your guys behind the scenes, um, especially Bryce. Bryce has actually helped me out um, uh, with, with, a, with a computer issue during a, during a different draft, and then he helped me out with another computer issue just because I, I knew he was a computer guru. Uh, oh, what he's a great a dude. So this is yeah. not going to crash. I, I don't have any – I don't have any uh, – problem thinking that but uh yeah. um, to your to your point um i i'll tell you i'll start with what i don't like I, I don't like the guys who are slated to be in that area um the wide receivers such as uh ross or uh curtis samuel is the wide receivers and running back i will start ohio state who the crap knows um you know i i'm i'm not uh i'm not falling in love with anybody in that area i can i can see lou and i moving that pick up um, or moving it back and not having a problem doing either one. Um, if if uh, we actually pick at 112, we will probably pick somebody that we could have gotten or somebody that, that uh, we should have gotten at uh, uh, 2.5, 6, 7, 8 um, in that range. You know, um, maybe one of the tight ends, although, you know, like we talked about before, we're, we're okay with our tight ends we have unless we just want to build for the future. Maybe uh, maybe a guy like if, if Kareem Hunt all of a sudden goes somewhere really good, he's uh, you know he's a mid second, maybe a late second, um, but might jump up if you know. It's a thing. Everybody uh, everybody might say this or that at this point in time, but I'm sure there were people you know laughing when when we were taking David Johnson from Iowa State at 2.8. Right. It really just doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's all about getting your guys. I mean, I've said that over and over again, and, and clearly it, it, it has worked out for you in this league. We're talking with Scott Johnson, the champion of the $2,500 Dynasty League number two in the FFPC from 2016. We have much more with Scott coming up here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We're going to get to a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk to uh, Scott about 
the DEs, uh, the DE that he's got going on right now at the FFPC, and we'll get into a little redraft talk. I'm Eric Balkman, and this is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Scott Johnson, Coaches Crunchers, is our guest tonight on the HSFF Hour here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Eric Balkman coming at you. Dave Gerzak has the week off. Scott, you know, we, we talked a lot about your Dynasty Championship before the break. Now we're, we, we want to get into the, the, the 2017 drafts. The Draft Experts League that you're currently in right now, you're picking out of the 11 hole. Talk a little bit about how that team is, is shaping up as we're approaching the nearly the, the halfway point of that draft. Well, first of all, I'm just thrilled to be drafting again. I'm a junkie, and uh, I'm so glad that uh, my wife allows me to, uh, to do this because uh, I, I'm seemingly in a draft all the time from – February until uh, the very last one that you guys will allow me to get into prior to the first game. <laughs> so um, I've started already. I, I, I looked back through my research last year. Uh, my first draft was on uh, February 11th. I don't think you offered one that early this year. So I got in the first one that, uh, that I could, which was on the 17th. And uh, I started with uh, – Devonta Freeman and Todd Gurley, and I'm not overly excited about that, to be quite honest. Um, drafting at the, the 111 was not uh, was not something I was thrilled about, but it's something I need to get used to in case you know that happens for one of the important ones later on. I'm not a believer in Gurley necessarily, but I'm hoping again the the coaching tree uh, philosophy is that with with the new regime in there, I think that they'll. They'll find a way to utilize his talents, um, hopefully upgrade the uh, the offensive line, and uh, that might be a that might end up being a decent pick. But um, what I'm really happy about is I've gotten a few of these rookies, and I was able to get uh, two quarterbacks, um, which is you know a lot of guys listening might might think uh, who cares about the quarterback. So uh, I I also look back through my research and. The, the leagues I won and the leagues I was competitive in, I finished second in quite a few, finished third in quite a few last year. Of course, it only matters if you finish first in these things, but still, I, I look at what I do right and what I do wrong, and in a lot of the leagues where I did something right, I had two quarterbacks in the uh, first nine rounds, and I've done that here, so I'm holding to my to my philosophy. Yeah, that's interesting, and, and, and it is uh, you know totally different when you're talking about redraft leagues uh, versus DEs for quarterbacks, too. I think they become much more important in the DE format. I want to get back to your first two picks in Freeman and Gurley. You said you weren't terribly excited about it. Um, if you had your druthers, were, were you hoping for a receiver to fall there, or what, what was sort of the optimal um, you know, picks there for you? Uh, and then talk a little bit about why you decided to go running back, running back to kick things off. Uh, I'll start with the latter uh, that you just uh, mentioned. Um, in, in all the leagues I won last year, the running backs came through um, that I drafted early. And if I hit them, um, those, and, and even the guys that won, uh, that won the leagues that, uh, that I didn't, um, they had a running back that hit. Uh, I went uh, wide receiver heavy in several leagues last year, and uh, most of those finished uh, middle of the road, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not playing for 6th, 7th, and 8th. So um, I'm going to go with, with what I've seen um, in these DEs, and that's get some get some running backs early and then uh, try to get some more late 
Um, I, I do know, going from memory here, I know in one that I won last year, I had, um, you know, I drafted Spencer Ware in the 17th. I drafted um, uh, Devontae Adams in the 22nd, and Sterling Shepard in the 26th, and Cameron Brayton in the 28th. Um, so it's not about the first 10 rounds necessarily, uh, because I also looked at that and I, I, I missed on five of the 10, um, which sounds horrible, but, you know, I still won that league because uh, I drafted and, and hit the guys late. So that's why I'm not too worried about Freeman and Gurley right now um, because I've got – I took Dalvin Cook and Deonta Foreman, and I just took the uh, DeAndre Washington in the in the 12th, which who knows if that's early or late. But, again, like I told you earlier, I, I really don't care. Um, there's not too many uh, ADPs out there. For, for this kind of stuff right now, and I like that because I make up my own, and, uh, you know, I wanted Washington, so I took him. Yeah, uh, again, getting your guys. I, I bring it up all the time. You are definitely a subscriber to that, and it has treated you well over the past few years. Scott, let's talk about some of those rookies uh, that you've taken. You have not been shy about grabbing these rookies in this DE, despite not knowing where these guys will be playing their football uh, until the NFL draft takes place. Talk about the thought process in, in being bold and selecting guys like Deontay Foreman, like Dalvin Cook. I, I thought I, I thought I saw um, a receiver in there. I can't remember if it was Davis or Williams Corey that you grabbed as well. Corey Davis, there you go. Talk about uh, the yep. thought process in grabbing these guys when you really don't know the situation they're going to be in. Well, uh, you know, everybody listening to this show is, is going to be pretty, pretty smart about this sort of thing, and they already know that teams like Indianapolis, Carolina, the, the Jets, Oakland, um, even Green Bay and New England might be drafting running backs. Um, there are others. Um, the running backs are are definitely huge in, in this draft, uh, both the NFL draft and the, the fantasy football uh, drafts. Um, Fournette went 3.9, and when he went, uh, I was thinking to myself, um, boy, I'd, I'd really like to get Dalvin Cook, but uh, Jordan Reed was there in the third, and I and I took him at 3.11, because um, when he's when he's healthy, he's a monster, and I I wanted to go ahead and get him, uh, and then Dalvin Cook was still there, um, Fournette 4.2, so I I jumped on him because I actually like Cook better than Fournette, so he's my number one, um, so I, I I grabbed him, I'm thrilled, I'm hoping he goes to, I really hope he goes to Indy because. Uh, that's where I'm, I'm from originally, and even though you know I have to put fantasy football aside from from my personal rooting, um, from my personal rooting preferences, I would love for Cook to be there. Um, when it comes to Foreman, uh, you know that that cat could have eight, ten touchdowns this year, Bulky. I mean, if he goes to the right place, he's a load. And uh, he, you know, he didn't he didn't lead the nation lead the nation in uh, uh, rushing yards this year by accident. He's He's a good football player. Yeah, we, um, we're we going to talk about uh, Foreman later on in the show. We have an email um, that, uh, well, I don't want to get into it now, but I, I, at least I will be talking about Foreman later on in the show. Well, I, I will uh, echo what you're saying there because I, I am a believer in him as well. Uh, let's talk about the satellites, not that, that you're doing this year, but the ones that you did last year, very successful in those, winning four of those uh, leagues last year. Scott, when you look back at those teams, 
uh, at the at the end of the 2016 season. Was there a common theme among those four that that really um, you looked at it and like, wow, you know, I did this in all four of these leagues and look what happened. I won all of them. Was there any common theme or did you sort of win these leagues a little bit differently? No, there wasn't. There was uh, a common theme, actually several. Um, now that you mention it, um, Spencer Ware uh, was in every single one of them, Bulky. Um, I was on him in February, and I drafted him every single time that I could. In fact, uh, um, this will tell you how many leagues that I was in in various places and, and different kinds. Um, but in all the in all the leagues that I did, this is maybe I shouldn't say that I was I drafted him. 24 times, but I did. Um, and, and he was in the, he was in the four that I won with the FFPC. Uh, he was in the one with Lou and I that we won the, the 2,500. Um, he was, he was huge. Um, I, I drafted, uh, Devonte Adams and, and the thing of it is in these DEs bulky, um, you know, he was going anywhere from round 15 to 22. And I drafted him consistently between 18 and 22, I couldn't help myself if he was there at that at that range. I was I was getting him, and he came up he came up huge as well. So that and and uh, just getting that that good QB early, and then backing up backing him up with uh, usually two guys later, or getting two before like I said, getting two before the ninth round, and then getting one later. I, I like the three quarterback uh, system for draft experts leagues and uh, something small. I don't, I don't know if you care. I don't know if anybody listening cares, but I draft three to four defenses and I do that because I think that's a great way to pick up points on, on the owners who only draft two. Um, It it just, it just pans out for me. I've noticed that throughout the years. Yeah, I'm with you. Definitely. On uh, every DE, I don't think I've ever done a DE where I didn't take at least three defenses. Um, I usually don't take four. I I know I've done it before, but uh, usually three is is the magic number for me uh, when it comes to defenses. So I definitely agree with you there, Scott. Of course, uh, Scott Johnson is our co-host tonight here on the HSFF, our winner of the $2,500 FFPC Dynasty League number two with co-owner Lou Tranquilli, another former guest of the show. Uh, let's get to a couple emails here uh, specifically for you, Scott, that came in this afternoon. Uh, first one is from Chris in Victoria, Texas. He writes, hello, coaches, crunchers. Is it a foregone conclusion? Oh, this is a Dalvin Cook question. Is it a foregone conclusion that Dalvin Cook will be in a Colts uniform next year? I can't seem to find a single mock that doesn't have him going there. And if that's the case, what are his chances for a Zeke-like 2017? Thank you. That is Chris in Victoria, Texas. Chris, thank you so much for the email. Scott, you obviously like Cook uh, no matter where he lands, but landing in Indianapolis would make you happy as a Colts fan and make you happy as a fantasy fan playing behind Andrew Luck with that uh, offense that they got there. I don't know if a Zeke like 2017 is in the cards, but Cook could certainly have a great rookie season if he lands in a place like Indianapolis. Well, if he does go to Indy, Chris, um, I can tell you that uh, I hope they pick up some offensive linemen because he will get killed in, in year <laughs> one. Um, as much as I love my Colts, um, man, we need, we need to upgrade that, that offensive line. Um, but uh, with Luck and, and Cook, uh, that, would be, that would be awesome to go with T.Y. Hilton. And, and if Moncrief comes back healthy, um, you know, that, that is a good offense, but uh, – you know, Luck's got to stay upright and and he's got to stay clean. And 
that's that's on the that's on the O line. So um, that's that's first and foremost. There, no way does he have Zeke like numbers. Um, probably anywhere he goes. Um, but Balky, I think you could have Zeke like numbers if you ran behind the Dallas line. Right. So oh, Dallas, yeah, oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah, that that offensive line is is massive, and and you know as as dynasty owners, we need to we need to make sure we look at things like that because um, you know that makes a difference, uh, as you can tell for for guys like Gurley and and uh, you know some others who maybe don't pan out as early as we want them to. It, you know, it's not always always all the uh, the running backs' fault. So I'm hoping that he goes to the Colts, but it would not surprise me if he lasted a little bit longer into the first round and went in the late teens or early 20s to another running back needy team, especially with the and I will say, a new GM. So. And I will say this about Cook, too. As a Florida State fan, you know, I've seen better offensive lines at Florida State the last couple of years. Uh, I think about the, the one that, that blocked for him this past year, and there's, uh, you know, Rod Johnson at, at left tackle who won the ACC lineman of the year award two years in a row. And then he comes out for the draft early this year. And now he's projected as a fifth round pick. Then they had Kareem Ayer was their other stud lineman at guard. And I know he was at the senior bowl, but he was, again, he's not going to be a highly drafted player. And the other three guys uh, either won't be drafted or they're, you know, coming back uh, to FSU uh, this coming year. So it's not like Cook had like uber awesome blockers and he still ended up breaking the, the single season rushing record, ended up uh, finishing as the second leading rusher in ACC history. And that's after leaving after his junior year. So he hasn't met now again, this is college uh, and he's going against right. college defenders as well. He he has not needed the blockers. He's not as blocker dependent, it seems like. As, um, as some, uh, you know, stud running backs uh, ha- have been, you know, sort of relegated to in the past, but uh, you know that goes with his whole home run hitter mentality. So I'm I'm a big fan of Cook. I I think wherever he goes, uh, if he lands as you know, if he's drafted in the first round as as the the you know the lead running back on a team, I think I again I'm with you. I don't think he has an Ezekiel Elliott like year. Uh, but I do think he does have a very good rookie season. Uh, let's move on to Andy in Portland, Pennsylvania's email. He writes, hi, Scott. What is with this early season love for Derrick Henry? He's still behind DeMarco Murray, right? Does everyone just assume Murray will get hurt or Murray will suck this year? Hashtag don't get it. That is Andy in Portland, Pennsylvania. Thank you for the email, Andy. I have seen this on Twitter, Scott, with a lot of people who are posting draft boards and and i'm seeing you know uh uh, derrick henry go like fourth fifth round like one like a round after demarco murray and i I guess i don't understand it either i don't know if you grabbed him anywhere but your thoughts on on derrick henry this year and where you would be picking uh if you were drafting henry well henry went uh 4.6 excuse me 4.7 in the de that i'm in right now and uh murray actually went uh, 2.5 um you know, it, it it's very like the uh, very much like the situation in Atlanta with uh, Devonta Freeman um, hauling down the the Demarco Murray role. You know, and, and uh, you know you've got Kevin Coleman in the Derrick Henry role, um, and, and Coleman and Freeman have had a lot of success uh, together. So there's there's nothing wrong with Howard and and Henry. Uh, having a lot of success together, but I don't see Henry. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my fourth round pick, Balky. Uh, you know, he, he wouldn't even be my fifth round pick. Um, 
after that, I, I, you know, if, if he's uh, my third running back, then I can see some value there. But I just don't if – if he's a number four pick, then I'm looking at that as being a number two running back. Um, right. And I think that's – I just think that's too steep a price to pay for a guy who's um, not going to get the touches that uh, most fourth-round picks get. Flash forward to, you know – us talking a year from now and like, boy, how do we miss on Derrick Henry's 2000 yard season after, you know, Murray tears his ACL week two or something like that. But again, that's what it's going to take. Uh, it's right. going to take Murray absolutely falling off a cliff um, as far as uh, his quality and his production or an injury. I just, I don't see any other way that Henry in the fourth or fifth round works out for somebody uh, as long as Murray is there and healthy and producing, which I think he will be. Um, Scott, right. no, let's, uh, I, I agree with you completely. Let's uh, let's get to uh, the last question we have for the interview portion uh, of uh, of the show tonight. And I want to uh, pick your brain as far as a guy that you think uh, we, we sort of just mentioned Derrick Henry. Uh, another guy besides Henry that might be overdrafted uh, this year uh, as we've uh, we've hit uh, drafting season here at the FFPC, a guy in, in redraft that you think is, is being overdrafted or will be overdrafted. And then a guy that uh, you're surprised how far he's falling. You, you think he might fall, uh, fly under the radar and be a good sleeper pick this year as well. Uh, the biggest one that stands out to me in, with your first uh, part of the question is Jay at JI. Um, the, the, the guy had three games over 200 yards. Everybody remembers that, but you know, if you look at his stats, he only had one other game in triple digits, and, and uh, I think it was something like 111. I'm not sure. But uh, um, the other 11 games uh, in which he he played, he rushed for double digits. I mean, he didn't even break, uh, didn't even break 100 yards. Um, I'm just not a believer. Um, he's, he's looks like he's going to be a second rounder in, in most drafts, at least right now. And I see him um, pulling a, a free fall uh, at some point when, when some people realize maybe he's not as good as, as originally thought when most of his yards came in three games. So he's my, he's my guy that's being well overdrafted. Um, in, in response to your second question, um, you know, I'm going deep here, so I, I hope that's okay to do. But uh, a Absolutely. guy that I, I, I really think – you're going to like this one. You're going to like this one, by the way, Balkan. Um, Adam Thielen reminds me of Jordy Nelson, your boy Jordy. All right? Wow. Um, he, if, you, if you watch some tape on him, he's got the same body. Um, he's got some of, the, some of the same mannerisms. His look, if, if you put a green and, 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 and yellow jersey on him, you know, put the helmet on, you can't see his face, you'd say, man, Jordy's looking good today. Um, I, I truly believe he looks like um, a Jordy Nelson-type wide receiver. Now, he's 27. He just had a breakout year um, to have a breakout year. But um, quite honestly, in, in redraft or in draft experts, in either way, it really doesn't matter. What's the investment? I mean, we're talking double-digit round. Um, it's, it's not that big of an investment, and he could pay off big-time dividends. Um, you know, if you look at Minnesota's wide receiving core, it's not like somebody's running away with it saying, you know, here, throw it to me, here, throw it to me. Um, Diggs has hurt a lot. Um, you know, uh, Patterson under is so underperforming, it's not even funny. Um, 
and uh, their their first round draft pick, what was he, twenty third overall? Um, you know, nobody's stepping up. I, I Thielen shows up, he gets it done, and uh, he's my he's my pick for a uh, for a deep sleeper. Yeah, Adam Thielen going right now in FFPC drafts, and you know, like you said, double digit rounds, tenth, uh, eleventh round right now. I don't want to say that's free, but I mean, it's a tenth or eleventh round pick. I mean, you're not really losing your league based on, uh, you know, not hitting on that pick. So that's where Thielen's going, and and JGI. Uh, going right now, end of the second, early third round, usually end of the second. So, and I'm kind of with you. You know, Ajayi was not a guy I really thought that I would be off of uh, this coming year, but I think I might be given uh, how sporadic his production was, how inconsistent it was. Uh, I usually don't like to have inconsistency as far as uh, my my number one running back goes, and, and that's what Ajayi offered last year. So, buyer beware if you are uh, drafting a Miami Dolphins running back named Jay this year. We have uh, got to get to a break here, Scott. When we come back, we will uh, we'll talk more with uh, with you about uh, sort of the news that's going around the NFL right now as we're fast approaching free agency in about uh, two weeks or so. So we'll get into some of the, the headlines around the NFL when we come back on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. He's Scott Johnson. I'm Eric Balkman. We'll be back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network right after this. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on here tonight. Dave Gerzak has the week off, but I'm still here. I'm Eric Balkman. Tonight, a co-host, Scott Johnson, he of the FFPC $2,500 Dynasty League number 2 championship this past year, also won four separate FFPC satellite leagues last year, got to uh, know you a little bit. Well, I mean, I know you, Scott, but at least the listeners got a glimpse into uh, how you like to manage your teams, how uh, you like to draft your teams with that last segment. Let's get in to uh, some of the news and notes around the NFL right now. I want to thank Roto World and, of course, our producer and mutual friend Rob for tonight's rundown. Kicking things off with a report from Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network says there is actually a better chance that the Bills keep Tyrod Taylor than getting rid of him. Uh, Bleacher Report's Tyler Dunn, who actually used to be a Packers reporter, uh, now a former Bills reporter, uh, now he works for Bleacher Report, he actually guessed Buffalo would uh, would let go of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, this is what he tweeted out last week. In order to keep Tyrod Taylor, the Bills would have to commit to nearly $31 million guaranteed over the next two years uh, if they do decide to keep him. But now that it sounds like they might, Scott, if he ends up being the starting quarterback in Buffalo again next year, are you more likely to draft Sammy Watkins higher with the report, not only the rapport that those two showed last year, but the fact that Buffalo won't be initiating a brand new quarterback into that offense uh, this coming year? Or it, does this have a minimal impact on how you are treating Sammy Watkins for drafts? I won't be moving him up. Um, you know, he'll probably just, just stay where he is as, as far as uh, my board goes. Um, you do have a new coaching regime, and that actually is a question mark. Um, you know, Lou, Lou and I, you know, really put a lot of stock into that, uh, the coaching tree and what it means and what their philosophies are. And uh, we've got some question marks there with, with that particular regime. So uh, I'm, that's, a, that's a hold for Watkins. I'm not a believer for whatever it's worth in, uh, in Tyrod Taylor. And, uh, I won't be drafting him anywhere ever, but, um, Watkins is a, is a talent in and of himself. So, um, he certainly warrants the respect of a, a late second, early third, maybe mid third, depending on, uh, you know, people's preferences. But, um, quite honestly, Bucky, I'm, 
probably going to stay away regardless, even though I've, I've got to put him somewhere in my, in my draft board. He's probably one that I, uh, unless he just slips to where I can't resist picking up a, a number one wide receiver that, you know, whatever the term that late means, um, I probably won't be drafting him anyway. Yeah, you know, I don't think I've I think I've said this on the show before. I don't think I've ever drafted Sammy Watkins anywhere. I picked him up in a couple of leagues last year when he got dropped uh, after, you know, he got placed on the IR to return. Um, but I don't think I've ever drafted. I've just always I just he's always got something. And even when he's healthy, he's like questionable or a game time decision. And I just I hate having that headache of of worrying, okay, is he going to be a game time scratch? I don't know. And and I just would rather get a guy that I feel more confident that this guy is going to avoid the trainer's table more than Watkins. And the other thing, Scott, that we didn't bring up, he had another foot surgery uh, this past offseason as well. So that's got to factor into it as well. We didn't even mention the injury aspect uh, of it. The talent is undeniable. The ability to stay on the field has been a massive question mark uh, for Watkins going forward. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm probably going to find somebody else I like. Uh, at that spot because that's how I've always treated Watkins and I can't imagine things are going to change for me in 2017. Keeping uh, things going with the wide receiver position, Tom Pelissero on Twitter, uh, he tweeted out Sean Payton said he quote, absolutely expects Brandon cooks to return in 2017. If you remember last year, Cooks was actually a little bit upset uh, at his role, not getting the targets uh, in that New Orleans air raid attack uh, that uh, maybe he was going to be traded. Maybe he wanted to be traded. Um, uh, you know, with Michael Thomas, Willie Sneed, uh, you know, getting a lot of the action there in that passing offense. Uh, Cooks does give uh, New Orleans um, one of its, uh, the best receiver groups really in, in the NFC South, arguably in the NFC, or maybe even the league. Uh, you look at uh, Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas both going sort of at that same area in drafts this year so far, Scott. I'm I, just looking here. Brandon Cooks going right now. Uh, at the 212, right at the end of the uh, the second round, Michael Thomas going at the 28. So Thomas is actually going a, a few picks ahead of Cooks, but they are so very close. Which guy would you rather have this year uh, for uh, redraft purposes, Michael Thomas or Brandon Cooks? I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here, Bucky, but I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question with a quick question, and I'll obviously give you my response. Who's taller? <laughs> it's Michael Thomas. Yeah, by quite a bit, and that's the that's my choice. Um, I think uh, I think Michael Thomas is going to be a, a TD hog. Um, I think he's he's you know that year three breakout that uh, the guys have. Well, he had it in year one, and I think in year two he's just going to uh, extend it. Uh, he's just going to keep going. This guy's really good. Um, I, I wish I would have drafted him in the rookie draft last year in, in several of my my dynasties um, and, uh, you know, seeing, seeing the, uh, the real potential that he's already shown cooks is fast. Um, but he also has those intangibles that I don't like, such as what you mentioned earlier. He's, he's griping. He's, he's complaining. Um, I want a guy who's focused on, on catching the ball and catching touchdowns and uh, Drew Brees is not going to mess around. He's going to throw it to the guy who's open and, um, He's going to throw it to the guy who can go up and get it, and and that's the that's the big tall uh, Michael Thomas. So he's he's the guy I would draft first, and, and it wouldn't even be close. You think about too the 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 red zone offense that New Orleans is going to have. Remember, Mark Ingram was kind of complaining last year that he wasn't getting carries. Tim Hightower got in in there in red zone situations. You look at the other options that Drew Brees has. 
to throw to when they get in close. You have Kobe Fleener, who was a massive bust last year. You have uh, Willie Sneed, who's not that great of a red zone target. And obviously, Brandon Cooks is not a huge red zone threat. If you're throwing to somebody down there, it can be the bigger receiver in Michael Thomas. And that's uh, probably a big reason why he is, pun intended, a uh, big reason why he is going ahead of uh, Brandon Cooks in, in fantasy drafts this year. A lot of receivers uh, we're talking about here in the Fantasy Flash, and we're going to shift it to Laquan Treadwell. Now, you already talked about Adam Thielen uh, earlier about uh, a sleeper that you liked, uh, Scott. Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator for Minnesota, said that the offseason going on right now is going to be very critical for the development of Laquan Treadwell. He was uh, drafted 23rd overall last year, had one catch all season, uh, on the depth chart, he was behind both Charles Johnson, uh, uh, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, the list goes on. Uh, he was banged up most of the season, uh, but obviously, you know, he, he could have played a lot, and uh, Minnesota chose not to use him, and I think that speaks volumes about what they were seeing in practice uh, practices throughout the year. With uh, Charles Johnson and Cordero Patterson, uh, both free agents right now, we don't know if they're going to come back to Minnesota. I haven't heard anything real positive about either one of them coming back, but Treadwell should have more of a shot at getting uh, on the field and seeing more snaps this year if he does have a solid offseason. Do you see Laquan Treadwell being closer to what Cordero Patterson was for Minnesota, or do you think he actually steps up to being a viable fantasy option, or at least rosterable in 20-man leagues, 20-man, uh, 12-team leagues this season, Scott? Who is he closer to becoming? Uh, I would say he's closer to Cordero Patterson, although I don't think he can be that good, um, to be quite <laughs> honest, because Patterson's wow. sad, huh? Patterson can uh, can return punts and kicks and and offer some value there to, you know, we're talking NFL wise, um, but when we're talking fantasy wise, um, Patterson's not not real uh, rosterable, and um, I, I won't be having Treadwell on my teams either. I mean, Minnesota's not a passing team, um, and when uh, when Charles Johnson, I like I like that kid. Um, Good kid, real good story there. Uh, that was, you know, news a couple of years ago, everything he's been through. Um, but when he's um, holding down a spot ahead of the number 23 overall pick, something's something's wrong, something's not right. And uh, when a 27-year-old comes out of nowhere to, uh, you know, score 43 fantasy points in, in uh, week 16, um, and that's Thielen, of course, and I'm talking about it, just everything – Everything, uh, however you want to put it, either adds up to um, or doesn't add up for uh, Pat or, or excuse me for uh, uh, Treadwell being being the man there. Uh, give me Diggs, give me Thielen, uh, Rudolph, and uh, that's that's pretty much it for me. It's it's good, it, it's going to be very difficult for Minnesota to to support. I mean, how do you support? four options in that passing offense with Sam Bradford, a, a team that, uh, you know, really prides itself on, on how good its defense can be. And I know that, you know, Mike Zimmer is a good defensive coach and they're going to get reinforcements um, on defense and, and not fizzle out in 2017, the way they did in 2016. But you know, you know, you're a believer in Thielen. We saw what Diggs can do the last couple of years. Kyle Rudolph had the best season of his career last year. Is there room for Laquan Treadwell to, to, to be fantasy rosterable in that offense? I'm not sure. 
Uh, so it may be a case, Scott, and you probably don't own them in Dynasty anywhere, but if, if anybody who was out there is ready to suck it up and ready to move on for, for a guy that they drafted, you know, 102 or 103 in his rookie year exactly. in the rookie draft, yeah. it, it, it might be a case of you wait till the offseason, maybe wait till training camp starts, you get to the, the preseason puff pieces are coming out, and you get a beat reporter interviewing coaches talking about all the plays Treadwell's making in practice, then you might just try to flip them there and cut your losses and just get something for them. That's what I would do. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think it's going to be, you know, pennies on the dollar at this point. So I, I hope they hope the owners didn't wait too late. But uh, I'm just not a buyer. Um, there might there's probably a lot of people out there that disagree, and that's what makes this game so fun. Yeah, indeed it does. Indeed it does, my friend. Armando Salguro on Twitter said. Uh, reported that the Dolphins acquired Julius Thomas from the Jaguars in exchange for a seventh-round pick in this year's draft. This is not the same deal as uh, Brandon Albert, uh, who was the tackle uh, for the Miami Dolphins. They were expected to be swipped, uh, swapped for each other. These were two independent deals uh, that uh, went down between the same teams. Julius Thomas actually turns 29 before the season starts and, and was just a massive bust in his uh, two years with the Jaguars, he caught nine touchdowns across 21 games. He scored 24 touchdowns uh, over uh, 27 games with Peyton Manning when he was in Denver. He reunites with Adam Gase, who was the offensive coordinator in Denver when Julius Thomas had those big years there. Uh, Miami does not have a ton at tight end on the roster. And obviously, there's a, a lot of talk that they're going to go after a tight end on day one or day two in the NFL draft. Julius Thomas is never going to be the player that he was uh, in Denver, but he should have a much better chance at succeeding with Adam Gase running things uh, in Miami. And what are the chances that he finishes as a top 10 tight end this year with uh, Adam Gase and, and Ryan Tannehill? Scott, is, is that a pipe dream or, or could we see that happen? Uh, I think top 10 is, is stretching a little bit, but um you know, this comes back to, to Lou Tranquilli's, uh coaching tree, you know, that, that uh, you know, my partner and I, he and I uh, adhere to. Um, Jacksonville is where uh, certain players go to die, uh, tight end being one. And uh, Adam Gase, uh, you know, the coaching staff there at Jacksonville just doesn't believe in the, in the tight end. Gase does. So will he bounce back? Yes, I think he will. Will he be top ten? Well, probably not top ten, but – um, I think he's he's definitely going to be uh, one of those guys on the outside looking in uh, to that top ten status, and he offers some value for maybe a, you know you draft uh, oh, well draft a Jordan Reed you know and then and then uh, later on in a in a double digit round in in the twelfth thirteenth fourteenth whenever it is um, you get Julius Thomas and. Uh, yeah, I don't know where he's going or where he will go. Uh, he hasn't gone in the DE that I'm in yet, uh, or he hasn't gone yet in the DE that I'm in. So, and we're in the 12th. Um, you know, so uh, yeah. Quick answer: Yes, he's he's going to be uh, uh, much better than he has been. Would be top 10? No, I, I don't think we we need to go that far. But uh, Adam Gates will get him the ball, and his his value will go up. I want to get to one more story before we get to our final break of the night, and that's uh, this uh, Joe Mixon report from NFL draft analyst Tony Pauline stating that he doesn't think Mixon's actually going to be selected at all 
all seven rounds in the draft uh, for the, the reason of, of the video coming out where he assaulted the, the woman at the restaurant in uh, Oklahoma when he was 18. Um, it, it does only take one team to, to draft a, a player, but there will be uh, hopefully a, a good PR staff at, at that uh, NFL organization because they're going to need it if they do draft uh, Joe Mixon. He's being viewed as toxic by a bunch of front offices uh, around the league. Uh, Tony Pauline also did say that Mixon is talented enough on the field to be worth a first-round pick. Other first-round running backs were, were, you know, obviously Fournette and Cook. People have mocked Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey in the first round as well. So Mixon, from a talent standpoint, is right up there. So, Scott, knowing why Mixon may get uh, not drafted this year, are you ready to bump him up, or excuse me, bump him down redraft rankings, or can he get the snaps to be a top-three rookie running back this year? It's an interesting case because usually – running backs that do not get drafted are not successful in their first year. But because the reason that Mixon might not get drafted is much different uh, than why most running backs would not get drafted, he could actually be a, a weird undrafted free agent that makes an impact in fantasy this year. Yeah, he's he's definitely a, uh, just a crazy kind of situation. Um, I don't think we'd be having this conversation uh, about Joe Mixon, if the video wouldn't have come out, um, you know, if people know the story, you know, this happened in 2014, and and was it despicable? Absolutely. I don't think anybody would would say different to that. The video didn't become available until just here recently at the end of 2016, and so that's what brought this all up again. Um, you know, he paid his debt. He he had to sit out a complete year of college football, and um, the NFL is is going to give him a chance, I believe. Now, maybe not the NFL, one of the NFL teams. The NFL has a policy. People are making a big deal about him not being invited to the combine. Well, it's an NFL rule that he can't be since he's been uh, uh, convicted of what he was. So that's that's an NFL rule. He can't go to the combine. Um, right. Will he be Will he be drafted? I I think he will. I, I disagree with uh, with the analyst Tony Pauline. Um, Tony Pauline. Yeah. Right, and um, I think you will be because when it comes right down to it, uh, talent is going to outweigh uh, anything else. And there's been there's been plenty other guys that have had incidents similar um, or even worse than what uh, Joe Mixon has done. And, and I've got four daughters. I, you know, I don't I don't excuse this by any means. But um, uh, the fact of the matter is, he he paid his debt, and um, he's got a chance to make a living playing this game and I don't think he will get denied um, because he is so so talented in fact uh, in in my humble opinion I, I've got him I've got him ranked number three overall talent wise there you and go he's he's pushing number two bulky to be quite honest yeah he, he definitely is a, an uber talented running back and and he's a guy especially rookie dynasty drafts too that's going to be another interesting uh, aspect of, of how to handle mix and where's where's the point that you that you take this guy uh, so and and again, the fact that we're already creeping into the area of saying, well, he's 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 probably not going to be drafted high, but he probably will get drafted. I think that this is sort of uh, what the the NFL front offices and, and GMs are thinking too, as it gets closer and closer uh, to the draft. So he might end up being a, a riser maybe on day three 
uh, as well. All that we will talk about as the uh, draft approaches. It's still a couple of months away. Uh, we got to get to a break. This is Eric Balkman. Scott Johnson is our guest, $2,500 FFPC Dynasty League number two champion. We're going to get to your emails right after this on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Our final show of February is tonight. I'm Eric Balkman. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Dave Gerzak, the Dizzle, is off this week, but sitting in for him, Scott Johnson, the $2,500 FFPC Dynasty League number 2 champ, as well as a four-time FFPC Satellite League winner last year. Let's get to uh, some some emails here, uh, Scott. We have, uh, let's see, roughly 10, 11 minutes left in the show. We could probably pound out four or five of them here. Uh, the first one's from Brian in Michigan Valley, Kansas. He writes, I hit on Jordan Howard in a ton of my waiver wires last year, and I'm looking to do the same this year, only draft the guy right away. Who's your pick? to be this year's version. Thanks, Balky and Dave Upgrade. <laughs> that would be Scott. Brian in Michigan Valley, Kansas. Appreciate the email. That's fantastic. So remember earlier in the show, Scott, we were talking about Deontay Foreman, and I said I was going to talk about him later on. This is the point where I was going to talk about him because I think that this guy, uh, there's a lot. There's, first of all, there's similarities in their game. I mean, these guys are, are big running backs that, that are actually fast, that uh, um, put up crazy numbers, for their collegiate team, which wasn't very good. You know, you would think if these running backs are putting up monster numbers, the teams would be good. Well, Texas wasn't very good. Indiana wasn't very good. And still these guys ended up putting up uh, really good stats. So I think that that could translate. And we're already talking about uh, Foreman being a a second-round pick. If he lands in a situation where he is the lead guy, he could be. I mean, this year's Jordan Howard, or maybe he, he ends up being the backup there. And, uh, you know, an injury gives him the opportunity. I, I think there, there's a lot to like about Deontay Foreman. Uh, I, I wish you could see, you know, the name that I wrote down when you asked the question. Um, you know, if <laughs> you can believe me, you don't have to believe me, but it's Deontay Foreman. Um, uh, there you go. I totally believe you. There you go. You know, imagine a scenario where Carolina doesn't draft a running back in the first round, but they draft Deontay Foreman in the second round. Um, how How fast? does he vault up to um, the top of the top of drafts, rookie drafts that we have coming up in, in dynasty leagues here in May. And uh, you know, how much movement does that make him uh, go in, in redrafts? Um, You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Don't forget also that uh, a kid named Le'Veon Bell was, was pushing 240, 245 and, and all of a sudden, you know, made a change to his body. And Dante Foreman, I think, is about 245 to 250, 249. Um, what happens if, if he does something similar? Now, he doesn't have the, the receiving chops. I, I get that. But uh, it's not like, uh, it's not like you know, he can't be – he actually has some hands. He just wasn't given the chance. So, anyway, right. um, yeah, he, he's, he's the answer to that, that one. So, let's, let's get to another one because this is fun. Larry in Paducah, Kentucky, Kentucky, is the way it's pronounced in the English language. Kentucky. We all saw the top three wideouts go one, two, three in most drafts last year, uh, that of uh, Brown, Jones, and Beckham. Would you include Mike Evans in that trio this year? And if so, where? Thank you for the email, Larry. Is Mike Evans in the top? I mean, does he make the top tier of receivers a, a, a four-man tier this year for you, Scott? Yes. Yes, he does. Um whether it's dynasty or whether it's redraft, um, as a matter of fact, I think he's higher in dynasty. I think I'd probably rank him number two in dynasty, but in redrafts, right. I, I think 
I really think, well, and that's because of age. But um, in redrafts, I, I would have no problem with with drafting him number two, number three, or number four. Um, I, I don't think I'd put him number one in any scenario, but uh, I would I would put him right there and, and say all four of them together. Uh, you know, give me a hat, put those four names in it, and if I can get one of them, I'm going to be happy. You know, regardless of what Tampa does on offense this year, if they bring in a receiver, if they bring in a tight end, they'll be bringing them in. These guys were not there last year. James Winston, Mike Evans have a great rapport, great connection already. You saw all the targets that Evans got the last, uh, the last couple of years, really. That is only going to improve uh, his uh, fantasy outlook. So I'm with you. Evans is right up there. Tom in Cincinnati, Ohio, I'm trying to avoid the horrible passing situation in Houston, but at the same time, I can't ignore DeAndre Hopkins' talent. Where would you guys be picking him this year? Thanks for the email, Tom. I'm just looking here as far as um, FFPC drafts go, and he has uh, dropped. Hopkins, remember, was going sort of the mid-first round last year. He's dropped to the end of the second. Does that feel right to you, Scott? Is that where you would be looking at taking Hopkins this year, or is that still too early? Still too early, Balkan. It, it's it's crazy. The, the kid's got, uh, you know, glue for hands, um, and, and he's he's aggressive. I love the way he attacks the football. But when the football is not within a four uh, foot radius of of the body, it's pretty hard to attack it. And uh, you know, unless they make a quarterback change, um, I I just I can't draft DeAndre Hopkins. I I just you know, I try not to do D&Ds, do not drafts, but there's a few guys every year that I'll just, I'll find myself every every time, well, okay, should I? Nope, not going to. And he's, <laughs> he's a and d for me right now. Yeah, you know, I, it's not difficult for me to find somebody I like better at the end of the second or the early third uh, than DeAndre Hopkins. So he's an easy pass for me at that spot. Sigmund Bloom from footballguys.com always used to, uh, well, used to he still does say when you draft a receiver you're also drafting this quarterback and when you consider you're drafting uh, a Brock Osweiler a guy that Brock Osweiler is throwing to him or Tom Savage or whoever it is it's certainly less appealing when you look at it that way Bill and you 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 fall I think it is you fall Alabama dear Eric and smarter than Eric who do you like better in drafts this year Doug Baldwin or Keenan Allen thanks fellas that is Bill and you fall Alabama so if you're picking, um, I, I, let's assume redraft here, Doug Baldwin versus Keenan Allen. Allen coming off the injury, Baldwin coming off a good finish to the season in Seattle. Which guy is uh, is the guy you would rather have on your team, Scott? You know, Baldwin's really solidified himself as a, a top-notch receiver. Um, you know, you've been talking about rapports um, throughout the evening with with wide receivers and their quarterback, and there's definitely one there. Um, you know, so... I, I really like Baldwin, but I set you up here because, no, I'm going to go with Keenan Allen. Um, <laughs> I think he's got much greater talent. Uh, I think he's had some bad luck. I, I do not subscribe to the injury-prone label that some might give him. I think he's just had some bad luck and, and things have happened to him. Um, he's going to come back, and uh, he's, he's what, 24 years old, 25 years old. He's going to be a monster, um, and, and I, I love Keenan Allen. So he's my pick. He came into the league so young, so a lot of people don't don't realize that that he does have a lot. And you consider all the time he's missed because of these freak injuries, you know, the lacerated spleen or, or kidney or whatever it was, and then the right. the, um, the 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 uh, torn ACL. So I, it's just 
you know, I, I like Keenan Allen. Uh, for, I, this is a guy I just traded him in Dynasty for Des Bryant with with Gerzak. Um, but uh, you know, I, between those two, it, it's it's tough to go wrong. Honestly, I'll be in multiple drafts this year. Some of the time I'll probably take Baldwin. Some of the time I'll probably take Allen. I'm fine with either one. If I have to pick one, I guess I would say Baldwin, but ask me tomorrow and it might be Allen. So, it, you know, that, that's sort of how I'm standing on it right now. Frank sure. in Santa well, Clara, California. So. Right, exactly. Yes. Uh, Frank in Santa Clara, California. Hello, Batman and the Joker. What's your read on Spencer Ware now that C.J. Spiller might be signing? Well, he actually did already sign. Does that mean bad for the entire backfield catching passes? Where would you draft Ware? So this is a guy. Thanks for the email, Frank, by the way. Uh, Scott, this is a guy that you drafted uh, in a lot of spots last year. Are you looking at drafting Spencer Ware again this year, or is his draft spot a little bit too high? Uh, He'll probably be too high. Uh, for me to, you know, he's not a secret anymore. He's not uh, not somebody that I can I can uh, snatch away from from everybody because uh, everybody else is thinking, ah, nah, you know, uh, Jamal Charles will come back and and he'll be the man. So you know, everybody let him go and and I just kept snatching him up everywhere I could. So that's not going to happen this year. Um, he's going in the fourth. He's going in the fifth. I don't know that he should go that high, uh, but uh, but I get it. Um, I think if Spencer Ware can increase his uh, his ability to stay out stay out on the field, his stamina, uh, I think he wore down a little bit. Um, I I think if he can increase his stamina, bulky, there won't be much of a need to have anybody else out there besides a little bit of Tarkandic West. They won't need to draft anybody. Um, but uh, you know that remains to be seen whether or not he can do that. I am not worried about who, who did you say just signed? C.J. Spiller. The, the corpse of yeah, T.J. Spiller yeah, is, is exactly. now Kansas that, City that's Chief. My, that's my joke. <laughs> yeah. That's my um, joke. You know, who, who, C.J. Spiller, he's he's older than you are, isn't he? Uh, he might be. He, he definitely um, – my knees are probably healthier than his and my ankles for <laughs> sure. Um, no, the, and the other thing too, we don't know if Spiller's even going to make the team, so I don't think you really – this has any impact on where you're drafting yeah. where, but I would also not be no. uh, picking him in, in the fourth round. Maybe they draft somebody, maybe they don't. We really don't know. And and I re- a guy that's ex- as exposed to the possibility of them adding somebody who could eventually become the starter there, I, I just uh, – let me get somebody else in the fourth round at this point of the season where I'm more confident in what their role is going to be in 2017. Final email right. tonight is from Greg in Tampa, Florida. Give me the chances that Jordy Nelson has of repeating his 2016 stat line again this season. Have a good weekend. That is Greg in Tampa, Florida. Thanks for the email. Greg, Jordy Nelson, comeback player of the year this past year in the NFL, put up some fantastic uh, numbers with uh, with receptions. Led the league, and I believe he led the league in touchdowns, uh, touchdown receptions, uh, twelve hundred plus yes, uh, receiving yards. He he was great last year. Can he do it again, Scott? With uh, with Aaron Rodgers tossing him the rock. Man, don't get don't get mad at me. I've had a lot of fun doing this show, and uh, I really appreciate you having me on. And and uh, very honored to but be Jordy able to do this. Nelson I know sucks, I know you're a Green Bay fan, and and, and but <laughs> but Balky. No, there's not. There's not a chance in the world that he has the same numbers that he had this last year. You've got Devonte Adams is is here to stay. Uh, I, I'm a believer. A lot of people aren't, but I am. Um, I think the tight end, whoever that might be, whether they they draft a guy or whether they bring one of those those guys back, Cook or whomever, um, they're going to get him more involved. 
and they might actually have a running game this next year, which will take away uh, you know some of the some of the uh, ability for Nelson to repeat those numbers. So I, I I say nope, not a chance, buddy. Sorry. You know what's interesting is uh, one door closes, another door opens. Who would you rather have, Jordy Nelson, by soaking a late first round pick into him, or Devonte Adams and soaking in a late third round pick? I you know the smart money this year might be on Adams. Adams late third, really? You think that that early? Oh, that's where he's going right now. Yeah. Ouch. But my point, but my point, but my point is, Scott. Like, if you believe that Nelson is not going to put up the numbers that he did last year, which I, you know, I, I think that he will be a, a step down from that. They have to go somewhere, and I think that this is like the perfect, um, you know, ascension uh, for Devonte Adams this year. You know, if, if Nelson's not going to put up the numbers, Adams could be the guy who really steps up. You know what? I'll take Adams. Now, there you go. Then we are of one mind, and uh, it was a, a fantastic show tonight, Scott. I really want to thank you once again uh, for coming on and, and doing the show tonight. It was a blast. This uh, this really flew by. I didn't even realize uh, uh, you know what what time it was till I till I just checked. But I appreciate you coming on, man. This was a lot of fun. I wish you nothing but the best in uh, not only this DE that you're doing now, but all the other uh, leagues that you'll be in this year. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll end up, uh, talking about a big win for you at the end of 2017. Uh, tell, uh, give, give my best to Shannon and the family. Uh, thank, thank them for all the downloads tonight that will keep us on the air for another week. I really appreciate that as well. And, uh, we'll, t- we'll see you in Vegas, man. It's, it's only a few months away, but we'll see you then. I'll definitely be there. You know, Shannon, I'll be there. We'll be, uh, working some drafts with you guys and, and, uh, drafting, having fun and, and, uh, let me just shout out uh, thanks to Chris Lambert and uh, uh, you know she does so much for for the FFPC and and she put Lou and I together as partners and I'm so thankful for that I'm glad glad Lou and I are partners and thanks for having me on it's it, it has been a blast and uh, I love this show and I hope the listeners uh, you know definitely love it as much as you do because um, man you do a great job appreciate it. Well, thanks so much, Scott. You are too kind, and uh, I will. Uh, I will. The checks in the mail. <laughs> Perfect. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Bucky. Scott Johnson, Coaches Crunchers, twenty-five hundred dollar FFPC Dynasty League number two winner. Uh, what a treat! A lot of fun. He uh, again. It's not a high bar to jump over for uh, stepping in for Dave Gerzak, but uh, Scott leaped over it tonight that was a lot of fun that is going to do it for our show ladies and gentlemen i want to thank the aforementioned scott johnson the fffpc rob our mutual friend and producer and of course our audio engineer bryce and you for tuning in and listening to us remember dave is back next week uh we do have a guest lined up i will share more about that next week uh, of who it is remember to pick up dynasty orphans in 2017 satellites today at myffpc.com. If you're listening on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Scott Engel and the Hall of Fame Hour is up next. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I gotta go cause I got me a drop top, and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light, looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight. 
I had no idea that Chris Lambert was such a matchmaker with high-stakes fantasy football players pairing uh, co-managers up with each other. That is a uh, line of work that Chris maybe should pursue on the side as well. Um, I'm breaking up to her. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.